This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. We have been talking about the subject of suffering and most specifically suffering according to God's will. There is a suffering that's not according to God's will. So I felt that it was important to put this kind of to contextualize this, this subject of suffering because there is a suffering that's not according to God's will and there is a suffering that's according to God's will. And we need to understand and know the difference. You know, the, this subject is, is not very comfortable to talk about. I'll be very honest with you because it does not excite me to come on air and start talking about suffering. And I'm, I'm hoping <laughs> to be done with this subject, you know, hopefully soon, but I, I don't want to rush what the, the utterances that the Holy Spirit is presenting to us. You know, there's a season and time for everything. So I, I don't know when next I will have utterance to talk about this subject because it's kind of been heavy on my heart. So as much as I would love to just do one or two episodes about it, I really feel that there's so much for us to learn. And it has been one of those places that for a long time, I, I you know, even just from personal experience, you never want to you never want to embrace suffering i mean how can you you know how can you consolidate or reconcile the fact that on one hand you have the god who created the heavens and the earth the universe has all power numerous scriptures say that all power is in his hand you know he has set his kingdom even over the kingdom of the heathens meaning God's government still reigns over all the governments of this earth. In, in Psalm, I, I just love it is because just when, you know, I, I, I just love how the Holy Spirit really always loves to just drop sweet, sweet scriptures. Um, so we're talking about how, how, how can you have the force of this kind of God behind you. But on one side of the gospel, the other side of the the, the, the the other side of the coin of the gospel is suffering. And we have to come to a place where we we accept it and, and, and don't just keep pushing it under a rug. Because suffering is not taught, or we don't talk about it much in the church. And how to embrace suffering when most people are caught up in trials is when their faith fails, is when most people, um, their prayer walk is, you know, is, 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 is destabilized. Their belief and trust in God is destabilized because they think they've come, they've finally met, you know, they, it feels like this whole uh, teaching or the understanding that yes, God is love, that he was not absolute, absolutely true. 
well, if he's love, why am I going through this? Why is he allowing me to go through this? And so it's not an easy subject to talk about. And that's why the in, in this subject, one of the things we're talking about, we're talking about suffering according to God's will. Because yes, I've come to, through personal experience and through scripture, you can see that there is a moment in one's life where you will suffer. And just like the scripture says in Isaiah 53, that it pleased the father to bruise the son, not because he enjoys us suffering, but he enjoys the kind of person that is on the other side of our suffering. But how do you reconcile that a God who is strong and mighty and all power is in his hand, that on one hand, he can not just wave the magic wand and your troubles go away. That's the understanding that I hope to bring to us today. So there's a question that I have here. Why would God allow suffering? Now, we're going to try as much as possible to contextualize this subject of suffering. But, you know, in Psalms chapter 2, before I forget, um, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bounds asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for, thy, for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise now, therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. It's talking about why do the heathen rage, meaning that even the people we look at as mighty and powerful and, and have this authority at the end of the day god has the final say in everything that happens now i need to contextualize that because god has given man a will so but there's nothing that happens where god has not had any input right in psalm psalm 103 again i'm trying to present to us that how can we have a God who in every sphere of influence has the ultimate power and say, and he can make something happen. But then when he comes in certain situations, it seems like he's quiet, that he's allowing this to happen. Now, it's not that he cannot, the, the first understanding for me the difficult part, I, I think, with some people's faith is they may not believe that God can actually pull them out. For me, that was not my problem. I have never really struggled with the idea that somehow God is limited. 
for me, that has never really been my problem. But now, there's, it, it's a question of, I know you can get me out of this situation, but why aren't you kind of getting me out? And so we, we, and we presented this context. But anyways, in Psalms 103, it says, the Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So the the, the 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 psalm that I just read, Psalm chapter Psalm two, and Psalm one hundred and three, is just to contextualize that He is all power, He's all authority, you know. But I am going to in in Isaiah. It's also very beautiful in Isaiah, I believe, chapter forty eight. Um, it talks about how. In Isaiah 48, it talks about, you know, his power, his authority. So here, yeah, I came across uh, in Isaiah chapter 43. Listen to this. It says, let, well, this, this is, um, now, Actually, which ties into some of the some of the context scriptures that I presented. Anyways, I just to establish a point that yes, he's a God of authority, of power and might. So it's not that he cannot deliver you, but now what we're trying to understand is why isn't he? Why isn't he just lifting you up but taking you through? So I presented the case that sometimes God is a God who will lift you up out of the situation. I call that vertical deliverance, meaning he stops, he takes you out of the situation. He holds you up. It's a vertical, he, in essence, he removes the cup from you. We, use certain, we used a lot of scriptures to back that up. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus prayed and said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Jesus wanted the cap to be removed. But the Father's will was not to remove the cap. It was for Jesus to drink the cup. So we need to understand and contextualize some sufferings that some cups are not going to be removed. Some cups, you have to drink them. That's the part that we don't we don't talk much about. We all, most of our prayers are remove this cup, remove this cup. When I personally go to a point where I said, Lord, looks like you're not going to remove this cup and you want me to drink it. I said, okay, I'm okay with that. Now supply me with grace to drink tomorrow's portion, to drink today's portion. Because even when you talk about drinking a cup, you can't drink all of it in one day. So you might have this you might think that okay well since you're going to leave me with a cup i'm going to drink it all in one day no because it's a process you see as you drink the cup proverbs chapter 17 verse 3 starts to take shape proverbs chapter 17 verse 3 says the finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold but the lord tries the hearts now on one side you have that okay 
as as you're drinking this cup, Proverbs 17 verse 3 is taking shape. However, there also is another scripture that is also taking shape, which was like a, um, it was in the same area where our context scripture is that talks about suffering according to the will of God. And in first Peter, so on one hand, we're understanding why, uh, I guess we already answered, we, we're trying to answer this question already. Why would God allow suffering? Now, on one hand, God tries their hearts. And it's your heart for God, towards God, for him to establish that loyalty, it can't be established in a comfort zone. Somehow, you know, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a proverb that also says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend, let me, let me find that. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. That, that's a, that's a, the, yeah, that's in Proverbs chapter 18, verses 24. Let's read this. Proverbs 18, chapter 24 says, a man has friends. Um, yeah, it talks about a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Now, there's another proverb that I, I'm thinking about that talks about how a friend is built for adversity. Yeah, it talks about a friend is built for adversity. Uh, let me quickly find that. Um, yes. Actually, it's Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 talks about a friend. Listen to this. Because we're now answering this question, why would God allow me to suffer? Okay. So in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, we see something beautiful. It says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. A brother is born for adversity. Now, what that's actually telling us is a brother is born for adversity, meaning that that brotherhood, that the, the strength of that bond, where you can say this person is my brother, is can only be tried and tested in times of adversity. And I've just learned to cope with that. Somehow, even with God, He God knows what we can bear and what we can't. The scripture says, but with every temptation, he's made a way of escape. And he'll not suffer us to be tempted more than we can handle. Somehow, even with God, something happens that it's during times of suffering that God really exposes your heart posture to him. He kind of brings to your knowledge your stance with him. Like God knows all things. He says he knows our thoughts are far off. Okay? So even before you think it, while it's way back, 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 the back of your mind, before it even comes to the forefront, God already knows it. However, when God wants to walk with a man or a woman, 
he also has to know and, and, and establish grounds of loyalty. And unfortunately, it's only during times of suffering. Um, better, for instance, better is to be in the house of mourning. There's a, uh, I'm quickly finding it. A lot of scriptures coming to my mind right now. Listen to this in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 2. It says, it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. It says, better, better to spend your time at, <laughs> you know, um, that does not even, uh, that, that, let me read another translation. What that, that one was too literal. It says, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to, a, to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. And the living will lay it to his heart. So it, here, the, 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 the wisest man who had ever lived, Solomon, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, what Solomon was teaching us is that when you cannot really have sound judgment or be impressed upon on your heart delicate issues and matters when you're feasting that's what this scripture is saying but he's saying is that if you go to a house of mourning there's a so there's a sobriety that hits everyone for instance if you went to a funeral understanding that there there's coming a day when you likewise will be the one laying down there in that state. There's a sobering that comes to you at a funeral. So he's saying here, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting. Not because we enjoy mourning and, 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 and we're not being cynical or we don't want to be cynical, but he's saying the reason is because it's kind of like reality you will you will have a, you will you will receive the communication you'll get a better reality check at a funeral than if you went to a house of feasting so we're about to see in the story of job one person that suffered greatly and you're about to see that job did not actually know job was in right right standing with the lord but it was only through his suffering and unfortunately for job it was extreme suffering we're going to read about it i, I hope we were able to get to it in this episode but I, i'm just still establishing laying some ground for us and saying why would god allow suffering and you just have to come to a place of understanding that it's only through suffering it's only through that place whereby you're not getting what you want. It's only through that pressing, that crushing, that first of all, you develop a reverence for God to understand that, my goodness, at the end of the day, God has final say, and I am not able to deliver myself out of every situation. You know, there's a lot of people who might put the, who may not know it, but their trust is in money or their possessions. 
But once reality hits them, that let's say they're going through an affliction, it could be a sickness or a disease, or it could be maybe they, they can't have a child. That reality hits them. And you know what? Maybe I'm not just as powerful as I thought I was, or maybe money cannot buy everything. That reality check can only hit you or make a big impersonation on your heart during a season of suffering. Okay, so even us, as we walk with God, he already knows. And sometimes God will put you in those situations. And some people, you know, it was hard for me to accept the cup of suffering, you know. And and when when you realize that God in, 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 in this situation, so one of the contexts that I laid, I want to make sure that I'm tracking. There's a lot of things that are coming to my mind right now. So, and I want to touch on all of them as we continue to lay this ground. We say that sometimes God is a God who will lift you up out of the situation. Other times he's a God who will not do that, but he will take you through it. And we have, we use certain scriptures to back this up. So we say it in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, it says, he raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to take them, uh, to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. This is some scripture that you find quoted in Psalms chapter 113. Here we see a God who lifts you up. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the beggar from the dunghill. However, in Isaiah 43, verses 1 to, to 3, we see a God who will walk you through the trouble, the suffering. He will let you drink that cup. He will let you drink that cup. Now, it says, Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 3, it says, But now says the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by thy name. Thou art mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. So he's saying, when you pass through. So you're going to have to pass through these waters. But he says, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. Now, then he says, when you walk through the fire. Oh, we don't, we don't like that. We don't like hearing that. But he's saying, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. It says, For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia, and Seba for thee. Now, with this same context, uh, these um, there is a part in one of I think it's Isaiah chapter 45, no, 48, yes, I think it's Isaiah 48. I, I want to talk about that part of, of, of suffering. No, I think it's Isaiah, oh, come on, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me, help me. It talks about, for for a brief moment, he talks about 
it feels like I have I I I have forsaken thee. Yes, here. Isaiah chapter 54, I believe. Hmm. Where is it? Where is it part? Um No, 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 no. Let's go back. I, I, I really want to capture that scripture for us. Just bear with me here. Because it will really give us some context. Anyways, in Isaiah 41, it says, Fear not, be thou not dismayed. Where, where are you? 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 Anyways, it talks about, in one of those passages, it talks about that for a brief moment, it looks like I, I, like I, I forgot about you. That, 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 that's, that's what it talks about. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Where are you? Um, anyways, let's let's keep going. Fear not, I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. I'll, everyone that is called by my name I have created, I will gather you for I am the Lord thy God. Mm, so we were just talking about how when you go through the fire. Um, yes, it's here. I've given Egypt for a ransom. Um, and that is so good. It, it, there's a context that it, it says, whereby it says, for a moment, I've forsaken you. So for a moment, I forsake you. Yes. Isaiah 54, verse 7. That's what I wanted. Listen to this. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay. It talks about here, for instance. Let, 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 let's read through this. This is, this is beautiful. Again, we're talking about the subject of... Uh, we're trying to establish the, the understanding of why would God allow you to suffer. So we've established that sometimes there's a God who will lift you up. Okay? Other times there's a God who will let you go through the fire through the waters and even in psalms 23 a famous scripture that every a lot of people like to quote christians and non-christians the lord is my shepherd i shall not want everyone's still smiling there he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the still waters people are still smiling there he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake it's all good there until we hit verse four Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Once again, we see a God who is letting you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But the psalmist says, David says, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Then he goes on to say, the beauty is, as you go through this valley of shadow of death, this is what's waiting for you on the other side. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That is what is waiting for you on the other side. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Then he rounds up with his famous, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, 
So we've we've also established that sometimes. So now let's come down to why would God allow us to suffer? And the the, the scriptures that I've been using, first of all, was that uh, it's better to go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting, that there's certain reality checks that you can't receive unless you are in that situation where, you know, feasting is everything is dandy and, and happy and rainbows and sunshine and roses. and But in the house of mourning, that medicine of sobriety is best administered, that the reality check, it hits you because you're like, wow, this person was vertical not too long ago. And now they have transitioned out of this planet. There is a day when that will be me. What will that be like? What will happen after you take your last breath? So all these questions come to your mind, right? And you're not, you you are in an ambience where you can really, you know, contemplate on, on, on such issues. Now, we've also seen that, we've also just established that it is only through suffering that God can really know who is for him. He says, talk is cheap. You can say, I love God, I love God. But will you still say, I love God when you are in when you are in rock bottom? It's surreal. Will you still have the heart? What kind of words will be rolling off your tongue when you are in rock bottom? Will you still say like Job, though he slay me, yet will I still trust in him? Will you still say, Lord, I love you. I know you love me. Now, when God allows a situation of suffering, two things are happening. And his hope is that even when the impurities of your heart are revealed or it comes to your realization that, you know what? I'm actually not all in on God. That somehow it's kind of like a wake-up call. That now you reestablish your foundation and you strengthen your reins in him. However, some people, once they get into these moments, they are not able to rise up to that occasion and establish loyalty. Instead, it is a moment of crashing. They renounce their relationship, their trust in God, their love and faith in him, and they start cursing God. They just go to the opposite side. So, and it's because they were never told about the other side of the, the, the gospel the, on, on the other coin about suffering. We've established so many scriptures about suffering with Christ, how we are partakers in Christ's sufferings. I mean, we, 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 we just established so many of those scriptures. Um, uh, where, where some of them, uh, I'm just going to quote them shortly here, but one of the scriptures was talking about how um, suffering here, yeah, there's a good one that we used. Oh, there's, there's a good one that we used. I believe it was in second Timothy. Maybe was it there? But anyways, there's, there's a lot of scriptures to talk about um, 
we suffer with Christ. Okay? So we've already established that, that we are not just to be partakers of his glory, but partakers of, of his suffering. We suffer with Christ. So the other point that I want to present to us before we really start to look into the story and life of, of, of Job is this understanding that it's only in those moments of suffering that God can really expose you to your true self towards him because God already knows. Now, once you know that, man, I'm, I'm not really about it as I talk about it, you have an opportunity to say, God, help me. That's where the psalmist said, search my heart, O oh Lord. Try me and see if there be any evil way in me. I believe that's either Psalms 139 or 144. In Psalm 144, Psalm 145. Hmm. Actually, I believe that's, yeah, Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24. So, suffering is a moment for us to really establish where we stand with Christ. Okay? Now, there's an example, for instance, uh, let me see, should I, should we go there? Holy Spirit, guide us. So we've established, uh, before I forget, Isaiah 53. You'll see this context of someone who was suffering and, and how the Lord will kind of like bring this reassurance that, hey, in this season, it looks like I forgot about you, but there's a reason. So in Isaiah 54, again, we're trying to establish and, and create more context for why would God allow suffering? So, in Isaiah 54, it talks about the Lord's compassion for the childless. And then it also talks about certain deliverance from affliction. And then it also talks about God will restore. So, let us read through that. In Isaiah 54, it says, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear break forth into singing. So here we have a context of, of, of a scenario, a situation, or, or a woman that was barren. And what does the Lord say to her? And it can mean a barren, a barren season in your life. This can also mean that. So let us read that. Now, meanwhile, just to show that you're not the only one who's going through suffering, that the Lord allows to go through suffering, Listen to these from Hebrews chapter 5. It talks about Jesus Christ. Because I want you to understand that Jesus in the flesh had to suffer. And in Isaiah 53, it talks about it pleased the Father to bruise the Son. Okay? But it was because of the prophet on the other side. But in Hebrews chapter 5, this scripture was very eye-opening to me when I first came across it because 
I felt that, man, I should be exempted from suffering. But that's not the case. If it says we protect, we suffer with Christ. Let me, let me, let, let me, let me find the scripture. We suffer with Christ. Yeah. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, that's, I guess, that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, it talks about, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. You know, it, it talks about, if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. We are partakers in Christ's sufferings. We are partakers in Christ's sufferings. Now, if the Father allowed Jesus to suffer, yes, in 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 we'll get to that scripture. Um participation in, in Christ's sufferings. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 talks about that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Then another another good one. Yes, that I love is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. So once again, for you to know that suffering, before we go and read another context of why God allows suffering, in Hebrews chapter 5, we see something very powerful here. It talks about, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 to around, we'll keep reading and see. It says, so also Christ, it talks about, so also Christ, who in the days of his flesh, now this is verse 7, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 talks about Christ, who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Wow. And was heard in that he feared he had reverence. It says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. When I read this scripture, one of the things it did for me in embracing the cup of suffering, it told me that there is an understanding, there is a learning, there is a hard posture of obedience that we actually learn through suffering. It says, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Suffering, there's, there's something about it that it presses you. The first thing it does, it puts reverence in your heart to understand that there's certain situations that are bigger than me. And in fact, you should look all situations and look to approach it by the grace of God. But it really brings you to this place of like, man, Lord, you are above I. You have the power. I don't. Yes, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But man, I need your help. Like, I need your help. So that understanding is dropped down in you. But then it also talks about he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. 
Now, there's certain things that he, most of Jesus' suffering when he was on the earth was what he, what he, what he learned what is called submission. We shall talk about the kinds of sufferings that we suffer according to the will of God. And one of them is submission. You see, Jesus created everyone. He says, by him, all things consist through him. Uh, he was the preeminence of all things and he is the creator of all things. So it says when Jesus came, he was he came unto his own and his own received him not. Imagine how much humiliation it must have felt for Jesus, the creator, to, to be here. And the people that he created despise him and reject him and even to the point of crucifying him. You know, in one part, Jesus said in one of the Gospels, you say that I have the power to lay down my life and pick it up again. He says, no man takes my life from me. I am the one who has the power to lay down my life. So Jesus laid down his life. He says, I am able at this moment to call 12 legions of angels and stop this. But he had to submit to the will of the Father. Imagine when he was walking. He submitted to the authority of the Romans. The Romans were the ones who were in charge. They were the ruling authority on the earth when Jesus was around. So he suffered a lot of submission, bringing his flesh under submission. That is a suffering. Not getting your will, but thy will, O Lord. It is a suffering. It is painful. So it talks about how Jesus, though he were son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. What happened? It says, and being made perfect, it's talking about maturity. And that's one of the biggest changes in my personal life is that I've matured to a point where I, I, I know the positive, the profit of some of the sufferings I've endured, of some caps that I've, I've drunk. It hasn't been easy. But I'm I'm happy actually that the dross has been burnt off, and there might still be some dross, but I am happy that at least I've established. Um, I, I I have established. I have. Doug, I have established deeper roots with my relationship with God. Because when the realization came to me that, okay, this is a cup that you're not going to remove from me, but you're going to help me drink it. You're going to, it's going to please you for me to drink it. That's where strength started to come. And Jesus, we see it here. He says, then Jesus became perfect. And because of that, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all men that obey him. So Jesus obeyed the will of the Father. Now, once he went through that fire, he passed that cross unto us. That we too now will go through that suffering and learn obedience to the, to the will of our Lord Jesus. So we'll talk, you know, in the previous episodes, I, I used some examples of suffering which was barrenness which is what we're about to read about here but again as as painful as it is there's an understanding for us that 
don't run from every cup of suffering. Your first goal should be in discerning, is this a cup I should drink? Is this cup from the Lord or is this cup from the devils? If it's a cup from the devil, don't drink it. Resist it. As the scripture says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Now, for the context of the kinds of sufferings that we should endure, the cups that we should drink, in 1 Peter chapter 4, we see it talks about sharing Christ's sufferings. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning that this has been our context scripture for this whole series. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It says, But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. It says, Don't count it strange. Then it goes on to say, If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of the glory of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Then he goes on to say, but let none of you suffer. So these are the kinds of sufferings that we should not even look forward to partaking in. It says, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. So we are not to represent Christ through our sufferings, with these kind of sufferings, you know, as a murderer, as a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. It says, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. So don't be ashamed that you're suffering. And we should not start treating everyone that is going through some kind of affliction if it's not that they're being uh, charged for murder or things of that nature. There's a different context in which to, 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 to convict such people. Not, you know, there's a different context for that. But he's saying, if you're going through a suffering, he says, don't be ashamed. He says, but let him glorify God on this on his behalf, on this behalf. It says, for the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? He's saying, as Christians, as we go through suffering and, 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 and we embrace it, a standard is set that if, as Christians, we suffer, he says, he says, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And he says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? So, just like it said in Hebrews that Jesus Christ, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, since though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So Jesus Christ himself set the standard for us. So as a believer of Christ, I cannot say, well, Jesus did not suffer. So God, I will not suffer. If you let me suffer, I am going to renounce my faith. No, we don't do that. Because Jesus set the example. 
And Jesus also said the servant is not above his master or his Lord. So if, if it pleased the father to bruise the son, the first begotten, Jesus, I should accept that if the first begotten went through suffering, that I am not exempt from suffering. But again, why would God allow us to suffer? I'm, 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 I'm hoping to get to that. But I'm just wanting you to first deal with the fact that he's saying here, if the righteous scarcely be saved, where, where, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? It says, wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, this is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And during this season of suffering, you are not to walk around like you just ate five lives. It says you are to maintain a good posture. You are not to consider this as a fiery trial, as a, as a strange fiery trial, meaning like you're not to walk around whereby everyone's going to look on your face and say, that guy is going through it or that girl is going through it. It says, no, it says commit, let, him, let, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him. How? In well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Okay, so... So, so, so we've established that. And a few pages back, the same writer, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1 says, Wherein greatly rejoice, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6, though now for a season, if need be, so why does God allow us to suffer? If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith so when we're suffering, there's a trial of our faith. You need to understand that faith is this vessel by which we please God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Suffering helps us to fine-tune the main means of, by which we can ever really receive or give to God. And that is through the vehicle of what we call the spirit of faith. If your spirit of faith is not strong, there's not much you can do in the kingdom. There's not many trials that you can, uh, you can overcome. So he says that the trial of your faith. So when I am going through a suffering, one of the things I've learned is that you need to detach your person and, and not take it that God hates you, that God is against you. No, he, he is trying that thing in you he's trying your spirit of faith he's trying the heart but sadly for us our suffering is through the flesh meaning when we are suffering there's a pain we feel in our flesh our emotions our heart right but once this suffering is happening there's the thing in you called the spirit of faith that is it's the thing that he's working on is is that connection that bond that bond, that, that's what the Lord is working on, actually. That's very interesting. So for me, when I started to understand that, I was like, okay. So sometimes when it feels like, that's why I'm, I'm, I can, I'm now at a point where I can thank him and say, I know you know that, I know you know that I'm going through this. Yeah, I say that too fast, <laughs> but I hope it makes sense. I know you know that, I know you know that, I know you know that I'm going through it. Anyways, so he says that the trial of your faith, so when you're going through suffering, 
it's not per se you, the person, but it is this faith, this hope, this trust factor that, that, that you have in God. It's that bond. It is being purified. And that's why Proverbs chapter 25, verse 4 says, remove the dross from the silver and the silversmith can produce a vessel. Now, I, I like I like what this, this it says. Take away the dross from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. That's that's this whole point. As your faith is being tried, there's stuff that is being burnt off. And unfortunately, it's through a moment of suffering. It, the fears are being burnt out. When you're like, oh my goodness, God is not going to come through. It's that fear, that fear. He's burning off that fear off of you. He's burning off that distrust. He's burning off envy. He's burning off jealousy. How He's burning off that hard attitude whereby you and someone else can be praying for the same thing and that person receives it. And even though they're your friend, you somehow you start to have a jealousy and envy. Maybe they got married before you. Maybe they got the dream house before you. Maybe they got the car before you. He's burning off that nasty stuff. He's burning off that stuff, that stuff, that stuff, that, that stuff that is just not good. That stuff that that stuff that can cause you to curse somebody. Man, he it's through suffering that all of these things are burnt off. I know. And unfortunately, it pains and it hurts as it's happening. But you need to embrace it. You need to embrace it if you're suffering according to the will of God. So Peter says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness. He says, you are in heaviness. I know it's it's painful. It's painful. You are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire. Mm. I'm telling you, I've gone through this. It, it does feel like you're going through fire. Oh, it says that the try of your faith being much more precious than gold. Man, the perishes. It says, though your faith, it says, though your faith be tried with fire. It says that it might be found unto praise and glory. It says, as this process that, that makes sure as this process is happening, he's burning the chaff off. He's burning this the, the anxiety off. He's burning the distrust. It says, and it's happening by fire. It says, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Mm, 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 mm. Oh, yeah. It says, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing. You see what's, what's happening now on the other side? It says, whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing. It says, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Then he says, 
receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of our souls. So, wow. Wow. It's beautiful. There's a lot. There's a lot. And um, we didn't get to the sufferings of Job. There's a lot of context for us there. And also Isaiah 54 that says, wow. In Isaiah 54, he says, for the Lord has called you as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit and a wife of youth when thou was refused says says thy god for a small moment have i forsaken you but with great mercies will i gather you in a little while this scripture really in the next episode we will have more time to dive into isaiah 54 and hopefully we'll get to job because job is a pivotal part learning part for us but just listen to this wow it says for a small moment have i forsaken you but with great mercies will i gather you in a little wrath wow says i hid my face from you for a moment but with everlasting kindness will i have mercy on you says the lord thy redeemer for this is as the waters of noah unto me you know what happens when you go through suffering he tells you how it feels like to him as well it says for this is as the waters of noah unto me for as i have sworn that the waters of noah should no more go over the earth so have I sworn, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord that has heard mercy on you. He says, after you've gone through this suffering and, and he has acknowledged, yes, I forsook you. It's for a moment I have forsaken you. In a little wrath, I hid my face from you. He says, oh, thou afflicted, tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make I will make thy windows of a gates and thy gates of carbon carbuncles and all thy borders of pleasant stones and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. Listen to that. Listen to that. So beautiful. So in Isaiah fifty four he presents he paints a picture of, of barrenness, a suffering. 
And in Isaiah 54, verse, verses 6 to 10, he acknowledges that, yes, for a moment I have forsaken thee. You know, Jesus cried out these words on the cross. It was hard for him. He said, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But this is the Lord towards us in these moments of suffering and pain. It says, for a small moment have I forsaken you, but great mercies I will gather you. He acknowledges that you're forsaken and you're grieved in spirit. But it says, in, it says, in a little wrath, I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you, says the Lord thy Redeemer. But then he now talks about the beauty of restoration that will happen to us. Because he goes on to say, For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. You know when you go through suffering, something that has pressed you and tried you, God establishes a rainbow with you that he will not let such a thing of such magnitude happen again. That's why he says here, for this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth, me says, argue with thee, nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, says the Lord, who has had mercy on you. Then he talks about how he will restore. It says, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted. It says, Behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make thy windows of agates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones, and all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shall thou be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. So, ah, oh, even talking about it, I still feel impacted about this. Yeah. There is a cup I've been drinking, cup of suffering. My testimony is around the corner. And when the testimony is ripe and ready, I will share it. It hasn't been easy. I don't know what you're going through. And you might feel that God has forsaken you. All of us have felt that way. Maybe it's a delayed marriage. Maybe it's a delayed child. You and your husband or are, have been waiting for a child and perhaps it's a sickness. And I just want you to know that um, sometimes he's a God. We just have to accept this fact. So, you know, now 
I will contextualize the suffering of sickness because that also needs to be put in context. But you know, the scripture says, by his stripes, we are we have already been healed. So it's not that God is withholding his healing power, but we will have a chance to talk about that. Uh, that one, we have to understand that why is the manifestation of my healing taking time? There's some things we may not understand there, but um, once again, it's through suffering that we can really establish that the impurities of our faith can be dealt away with. It's, it's, it's not easy to talk about these things, but I've found great strength in saying, yes, there's a gospel, the gospel coin. On one side is all the good things left here, miracles, breakthroughs, signs, and wonders, deliverance. On the other side, there's a suffering according to God's will. And that suffering can be categorized and put under three categories. There's a suffering of submission. There's a suffering of resisting the devil. And there's a suffering of persecution. So we'll talk about where different things like sickness, money, and all of these things, um, rejection, denial, betrayal, they fall under some of these categories, but there's a suffering that's according to God's will and a suffering that's not according to God's will. So we need to contextualize it. But as an entry point for this, we shall continue following the guidance, the leading of the Holy Spirit on how to talk about this subject. But yeah, like always, I'll leave us at that. This was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next episode. Sela.